Blog Talk Radio. Let the show begin. Damn, y'all feel it? This is the Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3. Check it out. The number one show focusing on HBCU news. Hey. With guests, Ooh. entertainment, Ladies and, and surprise co-hosts. Tripping in an awkward situation. Now, here is your host, Ken Finesse Media.
online on demand. Is it just for women or can men use the product? We got some beards out so, there, beard game. 
Yeah, so actually I have, um, I have, not only do I have um, customers that are men, but also women too, um, that can use it for their beard, that also I have um, cancer patients that use it as well to help grow their hair back. Um, so it's from people of all ages, all ethnicities, um, and all genders. So it's an all-natural product, so no preservatives, no extra additives in it. Um, so it's, it's safe to use for everybody, and even on the skin. Sweet, sweet. No, definitely. So when you're looking at these products in the stores, uh, was there a product that you kind of saw and that you were using, and you go, you know what, I can do this even better? Well, I always um, looked up to these these black-owned brands and these women that have come um, basically starting start from scratch with their own story, just like uh, like me, looking at Camille Rose and um, which is one of my favorites, and then also okay. looking at uh, I'm trying to think of other ones, um, Main Choice and uh, many others. Uh, Myel Organics. So all of those different brands, it's like, well, I can do that too. Uh, Mm -hmm. Stuff up in my kitchen that I normally do on a on on a day to day basis. Like, why can I not do this? Mm. No, Beauty Blends by Jasmine. I I I, uh, love your array of products because, as you mentioned before, you do have the shea butter which you can put on your skin. And as we know, we get into this fall season, so people need to, you know oil up and keep themselves moisturized in this cold approaching season we're, we're, we're entering. No matter where you are, it's going to get a little bit right. colder. So you want to get that, that you know, the, the whipped shea butter. Also, I want to know Absolutely. about your experience. I want to know about your experience on UAPB campus. Was there any moment on campus that you had to think, or is there, was there any moment on campus where you thought then that you would start this product? Because when did you get the idea? I mean, so I knew I got you the got idea. the idea when you were going going through the pregnancy. I want to go back there. I know that. But was that idea ever in you before to start a business? Well, I've always had a business mindset. I think when I was in college, I was like the kitchen beautician. I was always doing everybody okay. else's hair plus mine. Um, and that's when I first started my transition to being natural, um, getting rid of all the chemicals and doing all my research at starting my freshman year of college, um, dabbling with um, color and realizing that my hair couldn't take color. And after my hair fell out, cut my hair, starting from scratch all over again. Um, and I was always the friend that everybody came to with for hair tips or hair questions. How can I grow out my hair? What can I do? How can I fix this? Or how can I add more moisture or what can I do to help my hair grow a little bit um, more than what it has been? Um, so I've always, I've always enjoyed um, hair. And when I went to school, it was originally to go to med school to be a dermatologist. So skin and hair was always an interest of mine. And uh, just so happened, like I said before, I'm a scientist. So I stayed on the path of science but also um, continuing my path and my passion for hair. Okay. Yeah, because I'm, I'm like, this girl is taking over, and the apple don't fall too far from the tree. Shout out to our sponsor, uh, author, L.A. Richardson, because your mom is, is a finesse, uh, but one that has a huge 
um, way of handling business in, in, in a, a financing way. Does that kind of mutter into your uh, character or who you are, getting that business skill from your mom? Yeah, because growing up, I mean, she's always had some type of hustle. Um, I've never not known her to have something extra on the side. And growing up, um, not only her, but my dad, too, um, they were always hustling, always had a side hustle. They had, uh, my mom had a party business. My dad and my mom had a snow cone business. Um, they were uh, <laughs> detailing, detailing cars. I mean, it was always something. And, I was, and me and my siblings was like, you can never not just have one thing. You have to go after your dreams or what is life worth mm-hmm. uh, living. No, super dope. No, because she is a worker. Like, I'm looking at her on her Instagram. I'm like, is this lady sleeping? Um, but she's often writing and, and, you know, being creative. So, a double play summer. There it is again. Check it out on all your digital platforms. Get the book. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great read. It is a great read. Oh, and yeah. I guess with that being said, let's jump into our commercial um, for a double play summer. And we'll be back with the HBC of the week. You want to do that, Jazz? Sounds good to me. All right, we'll be back in James Washington holding it down from Tennessee State will be joining us when we come back with the HBCU of the week. We'll get into this commercial break from our sponsor, L M Richardson from a double play summer. Get it right now. What starts as the best summer ever quickly turns into a foul play. DJ has to give up her bedroom and the most important softball tournament of her short career. Without DJ, the team isn't confident they'll be able to make it past the summer softball showdown for a shot at Nationals, as it turns out. The summer wasn't a total bust, but was far more rewarding than DJ could have ever imagined. Unexpectedly, DJ makes the all-star team, combats trauma, and goes on a date gigging with Jonah Payne. A Double Play Summer by L.M. Richardson can be purchased on Amazon in print or digital formats wherever books are sold and is also available in Kindle Unlimited. Historically black colleges and universities commonly called HBCUs are defined by the Higher Education Act of 1965 as any historically black college or university that was established prior to 1964 whose principle was and is the education of black Americans and that is accredited by a nationally recognized accrediting agency or association determined by the Secretary of Education. It's now time for the Finesse Media Podcast, HBCU of the Week. (laughs) I Uh, I swear to you now, it is my favorite part of the show. (laughs) The HBCU of the Week. As I mentioned earlier, the HBCU of the week uh, is Tennessee State University, uh, founded in Nashville, uh, Tennessee. And I'm not going to wait to, you know, stall you guys and talk about the university. I want to bring on, as I mentioned earlier, uh, an alumni from that university. So welcome to the podcast for the first time, my Fred brother from Tennessee State, an alumni 
class of 1996. That's what I'm talking about. What's up, old school? Welcome to the podcast, Dave Washington. Hey, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me on tonight. Thank you for joining myself and my co-host, Jasmine, uh, on for this uh, episode, brother. So what's going on, Blue Blue? Man, you know, just relaxing this stuff right now, man, dealing with all this COVID stuff. So, you know, just trying to trying to maintain and keep things going with everything else in this world going on right now. Man, that's all you got to do. But you're from uh, a prestigious university. You got people like Oprah Winfrey as an alumni. But tell us about your experience. I've already said you uh, graduated class in 1996. But tell our listeners, when did you go to uh, Tennessee State University? Uh, and tell us about your experience. Um, so I was there from uh, 1992 to 96, man. Um, I mean, my experience at TSU was a great one. I mean, like any other any other person with uh, to college at HBCU in the, in the 90s, you know, you had your adversities and things like that. But I also think that it helped build the person that I am now as a professional. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I always enjoyed all my time there. That's why I still get back to the university and also go to uh, homecoming as often as I can. It used to be every year. Now it's like almost every other year. Um, but from that, I think I grew quite a bit just from the experiences and the people that I met while I was there. I think some of my best friends that I have as an adult have all come from there. I mean, I know you know how it is. Like going to HBC is like having a, another family. So uh, homecomings no. is always like that big, that big uh, family reunion. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't have any regrets from my from my decision to go there. Yeah. So what made you, James, uh, attend? Because you're from Chicago. I'm from Chicago. Right. We went to HBCUs. What changed for you? What made you, uh, you know, choose Tennessee State University, a kid from Chicago? Man, so I think that the, one of the major things in those days, you know, when um, a different world was on TV, man. So I think everybody was trying to find their help. Yeah. Um, with me going to school here in the city, um, I didn't go to a CPS schools. I didn't go to public schools. I actually went to a Catholic school. So my, the demographics of my school was always, I was always a minority. So once I had the opportunity mm-hmm. and, you know, my parents didn't want to say, hey, you can go where you like to go. And with Hillman being on TV, I'm like, let me find me, let me find me my Hillman. So I ended up <laughs> at Tennessee State, man. And um, the rest was history. I mean, I just hit the ground and was running. Once you got, once you finally got your registration, that was the, the first piece of adversity I've had to deal with in my life. But once I get through that, I'm like, okay, if I can make it through that administration and not get purged, I can do anything. Mm. So now you're at Tennessee State. It's mid-90s. You're from Chicago. Uh, what was your major? What did you, you know? So my major, I started out engineering, but then I realized that was, that was not my calling, so I switched over to business. Um, and I was a business administration major with a concentration in real estate. So I did that. Uh, while I was there, and I uh, got my degree in December of 96. Super dope, super dope. So on campus at Tennessee State, uh, now Zeta Alpha chapter say, what's up, uh, Brother Washington, you want to get down? How did that opportunity, you know, happen? What made you choose Five Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated while attending Man, Tennessee State? A, yeah, it was a few things. Like, um, I was, like, really just chilling, just trying to do my thing. Um, you know, playing basketball, you know, in the mills and all that other good stuff. But I didn't realize the majority of the people that I was just cool with by just walking through campus and folks that were speaking to me all the time happened to be frat. When I went to the smoker, 
I'm like, man, I see all these dudes I see on campus all the time, had no idea that they were in a fraternity. You know what I'm saying? It was just, mm-hmm. they were just speaking to me to be cool and just be themselves. And I'm like, well, if that's how they, that's how they portray themselves, I could do the same thing too. I can just be cool, be myself, but still be an organization and help out on campus and do other things. Because I was always down for service projects. So that, you know, when I started seeing about other things they were doing on campus, I'm like, oh, well, I can do this too. And that's how I came to be. Mm-hmm. No, and that's usually how it is. I know that's definitely my experience, being on campus, and you're cool with everybody, and you're like, yo, I don't even know uh, or did know that this person was a part of fraternity because oftentimes, Sigmas, you know, we, we're not wearing the Perry all the time and stuff like that, so uh, I had right. that same experience, you know, attending, uh, you know. But what's up? We got Kamala Harris. We definitely want to pay respects to an HBCU alumni and also a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha, you know, as being the uh, vice president-elect. So shout out to that. But I'm swinging that over to my co-host, Jasmine, who's a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha, uh, Alpha Road Chapter. So, Jazz, I ask you the same question. What happened on campus? Because your mom's a Delta, Delta Eta chapter, Delta Sigma Theta. What made you choose the ladies of Alpha Kappa Alpha while attending UAPB? <laughs> well, that's that's a funny question that I get asked often. Uh, being that my, all of my sisters and my mom are uh, Delta, and um, growing up, I've always my parents always told me to be your own individual. And just because one person does something doesn't mean that that's my path. And I had a. Um, not only a mentor, but a teacher, and her name, Miss um, Maddie P. Collins, which was one of my teachers in high school. And she had such an impact on me um, that made me wonder what type of woman um, wanted to know more about her. And um, uh-huh. after learning more about her and learning more about her sorority um, and getting into, well, going into um, the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, and not seeing um, them so active on the campus, it made me want to bring them back on campus. So they were they were off campus for quite some time, um, and I wanted to um, help bring back um, Alpha Kappa Alpha Alpha Rose chapter um, in a in a in a major way with a positive light. And that no was my, my reason um, for joining Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Yeah, the AKs was crazy huge on campus when they did come back on. I remember that year uh, where they weren't on campus and they just came back. Uh, but I love Alpha Row. But Mr. Washington, we swinging it back. We swinging it back. Yo, go ahead, bro. Would you say something? No, I'm listening. I'm just listening, bro. What's going oh. on? Okay, so no, just looking it back your way. So at Tennessee State, you played in Sigma, you know, Zeta Alpha chapter. And so now after you graduate, uh, what did you do? Did you have any kind of nervousness about being, you know, a postgraduate? What did you start to do when you graduated from you uh, from Tennessee State? Man, one of the things I would definitely say that um, um, TSU prepared me for was like, if you didn't have a job waiting for you when you first graduated, the day I would let you know it's gonna take you probably about six months to find one. So when I first graduated, I didn't have a, I didn't have a job waiting on me. Um, I finished in December. A lot of, a lot of companies shut down their books at the end of the year, so you have to wait. Um, so basically, what I did, I just did some temp jobs and 
and things like that, like work for temp agencies and stuff like that until I landed my first uh, job as like a manager um, in the retail uh, incapacity. I worked for Walgreens, and then I switched over to okay. what I ended up doing for majority of my career, which I got into banking and finance. So um, I was commercial. My last corporate job, I was in commercial uh, in commercial banking, and now I'm an entrepreneur. So. That's what's up. Tell us more about that entrepreneur space that you're in. What do you do? Man, so, man, I'm a photographer, man. I'm a full-time photographer. I had a, was doing it on the side for a long time. Um, and then just some opportunities came along to the point to where um, outside of some family things, my, my dad my daddy got ill, and I just wanted to have that freedom in order to, um, to be there for him and to do some other things. So I took a step out on faith, man, and just said, let me see what happens. I'm going to give myself a year. You know, I put some money to the side until before I did to make that jump. So I give myself a year to see what happens. And just by, you know, a lot of hard work and determination, I've been able to sustain that and been on my own for four years now. So I've just been running, oh, running, running doing that. That's dope. That's definitely dope. And being a photographer, that got to be challenging because now we're in the COVID space, so you have to kind of respect, well, you know, respect different, you know, spaces. How challenging, if any, has the COVID been on your uh, entrepreneur or your professional, uh, um, your profession? Yes, I'll say there's been, 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 been some challenges, but the other thing, too, has been a lot of opportunity um, because now with everyone being at home or they're doing everything online, people still need media. So I just find unique ways mm-hmm. in order for me to get that stuff accomplished, whether it's, you know, I might just shoot, you know, I might shoot people now from a much further distance than what I did before so that everyone can feel safe. Um, you know, when the summertime was going, it was easy to do things outside. Now we're back into the cooler weather, being up here in Chicago. You know, I just make sure that we have enough adequate space. So they say six feet, I might give them 12 feet. Just so they know everybody feels fine, man. I don't want no problems. I don't want to get sick, you know, so... That's just basically how it goes. That's dope. That's dope, brother, man. So that's it, Jazz. Did you have a question? I, I, I didn't want to walk past no, you, see if, you if you had a question. No. Okay. I but I have a question. I do have a question for both of y'all because each and every week on the Finesse Media Podcast on the HBCU segment, uh, you know, we spotlight your university. But what would you say to those people who are – telling you, and this question is for you, uh, uh, Mr. Washington, you could take it first. What would you say to those people that say HBCUs don't matter, they aren't important, and having an HBCU degree often don't land you in, you know, a good role or a good paying role? Um, For those who say that typically are people who never had the experience or may not be from our culture as far as um, saying HBCUs don't matter. If you want to have, I mean, you went to one as well, so outside of just the, the amount of pride that you get from being around a lot of people um, that, that have similar thoughts and backgrounds as you, I mean, even though, like, you and I went to different, two different schools, we both are very proud of our institutions, and, like, someone try to talk bad yeah. about them, we're going to stand up and be like, look, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you can't talk about my school that way. So I'll just say, you know, from a pride standpoint, for one, um, majority of the professionals that you will meet in the, in the working environment have had some type of contact with HBCU, whether it was on the undergrad or graduate level. So for them to say that those things don't matter, mm, I think they can even look at the statistics to see how many professionals that really do come from. Absolutely, absolutely. And Jazz, I asked you the same question. What do you think? When you hear about people saying that HBCUs don't matter, it's not important, the enrollment is down because of it's 
indicative of its importance. What do you say to those people that tell you that? I would um, like to piggyback on what he said. It's it's, uh, that they never experienced it. One thing that um, going to an HBCU has taught me is networking. Um, using your resources, and they, I, I was so prepared for the world because of internships. They promoted internships, internships every summer, and that is your experience for the real world. And not only networking, but also, um, I would say, not being just a number. Your teachers cared and gave a little extra umph to help you get to where you needed to be. They actually cared. So not being just a number, um, having that experience networking, internships, um, and having someone um, to always call when you need a reference for something. So I felt like I was always prepared for whatever um, came my way. So, um, for those that don't think that HBCUs are important, we are the best. And if you never went to one, you missed out. (laughs) For real, because I know that we all can say this together. We missing out on homecoming. How are you doing? Man. Uh, I know, James, you say you you go every other year. I've heard over here. Man, dude, it's, 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 it, it was a it was a sad weekend in October. We was all, like, texting each other, man, and started making up our own little stories about what we might have done if we were there on Facebook in our little group. So, yeah, it, it was a sad weekend, October 10th, this past year. It was sad. And y'all was in October, so I guess you felt that. But I think ours was, I don't know. I don't even know if we had a date yet because COVID happened at the top of the year. Uh, but James, because you are finessing the game and you're taking photos and you know doing your own thing, let our listeners know how they can keep up with you and how they can you know support what you got going on. Oh, I'm gonna say okay. Well, my website is m a s e o t h o t o dot net. That's Macefield dot net. You can find me the same way on IG at Macefield Photo. Uh, and I'm here in Chicago, but I do travel, so I've done destination weddings and things of that nature too. So once COVID lifts up. I do have a passport. I can't get back on a, on the plane and get out of here. That's what's up. Jazz, let folks know how they can get some of this beauty blends by Jazz so they can keep their skin soft and they can also keep their hair growing. Let folks know how they can keep up with you and follow you. Absolutely. So you can catch me on IG at underscore J Duhon or, and that's underscore J D as in David, U H O N. Or you can also follow uh, me at Beauty Blends by Jasmine on IG. And also um, check out my website, site www.beautyblendsbyjasmine.com. And check out what we have there. Thank you so much, Jazz, for co-hosting this thing. But we ain't about to be done yet because, Jazz, you already know, we're about to get ready to talk to the veteran actor Khalil Kane, born in New York. And y'all know Khalil Kane. He was Raheem from the urban classic film Juice. He also played the character Darnell on a series regular on the hit television show Girlfriends for six seasons. The throwback 90s comedy is currently streaming on Netflix. And I can't wait to talk to this legendary guy. I told him when this movie came out in 92, I've been waiting to speak with him since 92. So Khalil Kane is joining the podcast for the first time, episode 7. Thank you for joining. And subscribe to our podcast uh, channel 
on our YouTube page. Hit that bell so you'll be notified. And also, if you want your HBCU to be spotlighted, hit me up. Finesse Media Podcast at gmail.com. We'll love to have your experience uh, to be shared with the world because, as Jasmine said and as Jane said, double J and J. Shout out to JJ Fish, just random. But <laughs> <laughs> those are, I know what I'm saying. My brother got that. But thank y'all so much for joining. Uh, you know, thank you, Jane, for joining on this episode to talk about Tennessee State, the aristocratic bands. Shout out to the Blue and White, Zeta Alpha chapter, and Khalil Kane, man. I see you. I see you, man. You ready to chat. What's up, man? How you been? <laughs> Holding it down, man. That's a classic movie, man. Welcome back to another episode of Finesse Media Podcast. I'm your boy, Ken Finesse Media. And as I mentioned right before the break, we got a great guest joining us this week on this episode, uh, an actor, but you know him from the movie, the legendary movie, Juice, but he's been in so many films, uh, but he's been in Girlfriends for so many seasons, man. Welcome to the podcast for the first time and joining me on my co-host special edition, my co-host, Jazz and Duhan. But again, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Khalil Kane, my brother. What's going on? What's happening, man? How you? Man, I am good, my brother. It is good for uh, to have you on this podcast. Again, we bring on people that's been finessing the game. And as I mentioned, I feel like I know you, man, because I grew up watching Juice. Then I seen you for many years on, on Girlfriends. So it feel like I know you, man. So how you been doing and battling through all of this, you know, crazy world we're living in? Um, I'm good, man. Everything's cool. You know, uh, Girlfriends is out on Netflix right now, so you know, there's a whole new resurgence of energy behind that show. I'm digging it. Um, as far as all the other stuff, the COVID and, and the election, and, I mean, I'm a black man. This is business as usual. Like, I'm not, I'm not even really tripping about it. I'm, I'm excited that Trump's going to be gone. Yeah, um, that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> um, but you know, other than that, you know, I'm just waiting for them to to open up the world again. So I can go out and be with the people. Most definitely, man. Most definitely. Listen, but I know you're battling things in, into the COVID thing, and we're going to get into the new film that you got coming out. I had your boy Arwan Jameson on your co-star in the movie Coming to Africa. Can't wait to, you know, see that film. He's dropping it uh, here in Dallas coming up, so I can't wait to join him here in Dallas is where I'm at. Uh, but want to get into before we get into Coming to Africa, you know, that film that's set to come out, and definitely want to talk about. Uh, well, I met you, right? 1992, Juice, can you believe it? Almost like 30 years the film has been out. Yeah. How do you yeah. feel about that? Um, I'm happy to still be here, man. Um, a lot of folks are not. Rest in peace, Tupac Shakur, right behind you. Um, and, and this is a common occurrence. Um, I had a, a cousin of mine, Dorian. He only lived in 24. Part part of the issue that we have going on right now is, is you know black folks getting murdered out in the street yeah. and, and and by the power structure. So you know, 28 years in the game, I'm happy to still be here. Um, I love it walking down the street. Somebody yells out Raheem or Tymel. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. That's love. Um, I've been fortunate. I never really was overly concerned with, with, with being famous or anything like that. It was more about like work and an opportunity to do something and have a name. You know what I mean? That, that's a, um, but I never knew how. Turned out this was it. I've been lucky that I was in films like Juice, Love Jones, The Colored Girls, um, 
girlfriend. These are, these are, and this is not me like picking and choosing and being careful with. No, man, this is just by providence um, that it worked out that way. And I was able to get chosen to be in projects that really touch the culture, you know? Yeah. I don't know if people know this, know this, and I got a couple questions for the fans uh, from our fan page later to ask you about. But I don't know if people know that because man, you you don't ever age. So I want to know what the regimen is. I'm gonna ask you that later. <laughs> but you were 27 when that movie you know came out in '92, yeah. man. And I got so kind of coming up. <laughs> right, November 22nd. I got you, man. Yeah. Scorpio season. Well, actually, Sagittarius season. I, I I'm on the cut. Yeah, on the cusp, on the cusp. But 27, kind of, how did you feel about being a part of that movie at such a later age in life? Because normally you get into acting kind of early and you'd be this big star maybe around that time. But 27, how was it kind of being on set? Were you one of the oldest cast members on set? I was the oldest cast member. I mean, out of the crew. We got Sam Jackson in the film. We got Archie Jones. There's a couple of cats older than me. But, um... I mean, at the time I grew up in New York City, I did not know what it was I was going to do. Right. I had done a couple of commercials, again, by request. Hey, man, would you be interested? Sure, why not? I'll go audition. Um, and it just seemed to start to grow, gain momentum. Um, and, and think about it. My first film being Juice, that's, that's <laughs> fortune, man. Classic. Positive. Yeah. No. Go ahead, Jazz. You got a question. Well, I wanted to know, um, COVID is concerned, how has it changed Hollywood TV and um, film working conditions, especially with when it comes to auditions? Um, all of our auditions have been like this. Mm. You know, um, we're sending in tape, you're videotaping your situation and sending it in, they're looking at it and choosing that way. Um, all productions are having to factor in um, COVID in, in their budgets as far as testing the cast, being able to test them regularly, being able to set up conditions and make sure everybody has masks. And it's, uh, I mean, uh, from what I understand, it's an average of $300,000, you know, for, well, I know a, that. for a normal, a normal, normally budgeted situation. I know that Tyler Perry had like his whole cast um, at one point at his production studio um, for a, a vast majority of the time during the filming. Um, and I thought that was brilliant, just like the, the bubble. That the well, well, that's, that's the only way to, to be sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, there's, I, there are people that don't even think it's real. Mm-hmm. My family alone, we lost two family members. Oh, and they man. were both older. Um, thank you. And at the same time, there's always this room for doubt um, because there are, other, there are other things attacking the body and people say, well, how do you know the doctors aren't just saying it was COVID? Right. What are you, you, know, you going to do? But when you see that this is something that's global, it would have to be a pretty well-planned out insidious scheme to get the mm-hmm. whole world um, to, to buy into this psychosis that this yeah, people aren't really taking it serious um, still. I mean, I think at one point it, it started where people weren't taking it serious and then things started to shut down across the country and people were like, whoa, shit, like, this is serious. Mm-hmm. And then I think now as it progressed, people are like, man, fuck, I need to go to the club. I need to get my nails done. Yeah. I need to go to the mall. And now you have this 
high level of socialization, maybe where it wasn't even was before. So uh, it is a very serious thing. And I know that on the set, it can certainly be different. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I'm trying to listen and be serious about this. Seriously, but you got Juice playing right behind you. I'm as well as like laughing a little bit before. But um, I think people need to take care of themselves. Um, people that are younger may may get it and and not get sick. I saw somebody today who told me they got it twice. Wow. Um, mm. My girlfriend got it, and we were in the same apartment together for for the whole. While she was sick, I was taking care of her. When I went to the doctor, COVID free. Like it's it's crazy because I I figured I was just like just not getting sick. You know, I I just assumed that I had it. So when I went to the doctor, I was shocked when she told me that I didn't have anybody for like three years. You know, COVID free. Oh, like, I never got. It. I was like, all right, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Glad you were safe and, and uh, you know, like you say, staying in that in that bubble. So let's go back to girlfriends, man. Eight seasons on that. And it's now on Netflix for a whole new generation to check it out. So I'm not even gonna ask you your thoughts on it. I'm gonna assume that it's an amazing feel because of eight seasons, I don't think you missed an episode. You're definitely one of the star cast. People should be hollering out Darnell down the street. When they, <laughs> they do. They do. They definitely do. They, I know. Um, I'm, I, I think um, Darnell and Maya had a had a sort of specific chemistry that hadn't really been seen before. So I was shocked at how people really kind of bought into that. Yeah. Um, I was like the cousin in the family, you know, as far as the episodes go. So I would come in, I would come out. Um, it was a great place to work. Mara Brock Akeel, who created the show, is, is a visionary, man. Like she, yeah. She's so smart. Well, so think about it. If you had an opportunity um, to just tell the stories you wanted to tell, I think she did that from, from her perspective. And I think that's why even now, wow. Because at the time, like, black folks, I think we just took it for granted. Like, we just assumed that we were going to have TV shows mm-hmm. on like this you know, all the time. So, you know, we check, cause I'll be honest, I rarely watch the show it's coming on on Monday nights. I was watching football, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, Mara really kind of dug in from, from the black woman's perspective and like what was interesting to her, what was topical to her at the time. And so, you know, the women on the show, Tracy, Jill, and Golden, Persia, you know, they were able to, to tell the story honestly because it's stuff they were interested in too. Mm-hmm. You know, things that were affecting them also. No, Mara Barker Keel is super incredible and smart. Uh, she and, and her husband. Fun. She's gorgeous. <laughs> no. Celine, my brother, what's no. happening? Yeah, they're, they're, they're great, two of them. No, um, she, she's definitely amazing in doing that. So on Girlfriends and, and being on that for, for eight seasons, working with, you know, Tracy Ellis Ross and, you know, kind of seeing now. What she's doing? How is working with her? She seems just a, a whole lot of fun on, on set. Tracy's great. She's <laughs> a lot of fun. She's high energy. Um, I remember once Christmas was rolling around, and and Tracy knocked on my door. She's like, "Hey, Khalil." I was like, "Yo, what's up?" She's like, "I got you a Christmas present." I was like, "Oh man, you didn't have to do that." She's like, "Nah, it's something small, so don't don't even trip." Cool. I was like, "All right." 
She comes back and hits me with a DVD. Here, Lady Sings the Blues. Signed, Merry Christmas from Diana Ross. Wow. I was like, yo! Done. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Done. Yeah, that was fly as hell, man. I was really like, I was like, yo, you know this like amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, she, she's cool as hell. Yeah, Tracy's great. No, that's dope. Go ahead, Jazz. You had a question. I had the same question. What was it like to work with such amazing people? But I also want to know what keeps you grounded in this industry? My mother. Mm. My mother had me when she was 16 and a half. Wow. So we grew up together. Mm. Um, so as she was maturing and learning on the fly, Think about it, those lessons that you learn when you're 22, 24, 25, and you've got kids, like, it's heavy. You know, and if you learn them well, I was the oldest. She's hitting me off with it. Like, look, you know, I was a right-hand man. We made moves. I had to be on point. So, yeah. you know, she was, she was teaching me as she was learning. Mm-hmm. And, um, the things that were important about about character and people, you know, love and faith. Um, so yeah, I wasn't phased at all. Like like I've never been, you know, all about money or like we were talking about before about being famous. These things that are cool, it's great that you know people recognize me or want to talk to me or want to interview me. Um, okay, good. Do you have anything to say? Mm-hmm. Like how 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 do those people feel when they walk away? Mm-hmm. Like, are you touching people in a positive manner? Are you a force for good? Like these are things that are important. Uh, when I'm when I'm moving around in the world and, and by no means I'm perfect and I fuck up and I make mistakes, but like it is something that is in the back of my mind when I make decisions. Like, is this going to make my family proud? Mm-hmm. You know? No, that's definitely dope. Definitely dope. So that's why you ain't heard nothing about the kid. <laughs> you know, and even this, this whole, you know, quarantining and, and social distancing, this is normal for me. I'm I'm just not that dude. Like, I'm not out at all parties. No. I don't really care how popular I am. We hearing from you. We hearing from you. We about to see it on screen. So dropping this month in, in, in November, coming to Africa. Uh, you start in that film with Armand Jameson, lead actor. I had him on. He's a finesse. Uh, shout out to Mr. Jameson if you're watching. But listen, that movie, dude, I watched the trailer, and I also watched a bunch of clips of you guys making this film. And the work that you guys put in, in – in creating this film, uh, it, it definitely owes a lot of respect. In fact, it was shot in Ghana. Let's just start there. You know, when you say movie coming to Africa, you think, okay, what cheesy shit is this? No, they actually were in Ghana shooting. And then what I told Anwan was that you guys took a small crew over there and then combined working with the crew in Africa or in, in, you know, and, and getting that production and working with one of the you know, highly sought out actresses in Africa, one of the top, and I'm following her. She's a super dope, fine, you know, um, melanated chick. So I super love that you guys work with her and I'm catching up with some of the films that she got going on. But enough of that. You over there, got this film coming out. Tell our listeners, how was it filming that, uh, you know, upcoming uh, movie? 
What I have a question though. What did you think of Adam Anwar James said you in it? Oh man, this guy is incredible. So we started to talk about some of the commonalities that we had. He, he teaches in Arkansas. I went to undergrad at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. So a new listener. It's an HBCU. So we also shout out HBCUs each and every week. But um, he is a dope dude, innovator. Uh, like I say, I'll be catching him on a day before your birthday on the 21st here in Dallas, Texas. Um, but he's a good dude, man. And I think he really puts um, his uh, people, if you will, before his projects and a couple of things he's done before. So he was a fin- he's a finesse. He's somebody that I wanted to have on. Now, this is an independent film. Yes, it is. Part of the reason I did the film was because of Anwar Jameson. He found me. Um, he asked me if I would be in his film. He sent me the script. Uh, the script was tight. The script had something to say. Not only does it have something to say, it has something to say about black people. Um, this, is, this, is a, this is a film that was made uh, partly with his own money. It was it was ambitious. I'll put it that way. Mm. It was very ambitious. Like I didn't go. I personally didn't go to Dallas. You did. Um, I did not. They did. Uh, everything that I shot was in Memphis. I don't know them like that. I was like, I ain't going to Africa with y'all. Man, you spoiled the movie then. No, but seriously, this is a this was a man who knew what he wanted, uh, and me being in the business for so long. I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, this is kind of a daunting task. I'm, I was curious to see if he's going to be able to pull it off. Oh. You know? So, first, I was like, mm, can't go to Africa. They gave me a different role. He rewrote the script, punched up this other role, and hit me back. Didn't take no for an answer. Mm. Hit me back. All right, I did this. Check it out. Would you be interested in playing this role? And you shoot everything in Memphis. This way we could have you in the film. Sweet. I read it, and I liked his style. I was like, bet. Let's do that. Still, the cast is taken. You know, they're going to find their crew over there in Ghana, shoot everything, come back, post-production, all this. Where are you going to get the sound, you know, the, the tracking, or the soundtrack for the, for the film? There's a lot that goes into making a movie. Yeah. And and Anwar is like a one-man band. So I was like, all right, man, handle your business. You know, I'll do what I can to help. Um, so proud of him, man. Yeah. The fact that he got the film this far is huge. Yeah. And it's I know, a huge accomplishment. And I know you guys were set to debut it in Memphis in May. He told me a lot about that and, and you know, that was going to be hot, but it, it, it's coming on back in Memphis, he, he tells me, uh, for next, for next uh, round. So being in that movie, uh, you know, with, with the other actress, you know, and, and again, you didn't take with her now that I know, but I'm looking at the trailer and I'm like, I can't wait to see it on the 21st, uh, the coming to Africa movie. It's really, so you, it's really, it's really a heartwarming film, man. And, um, and Anwar is a good dude. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I've been doing this 28 years, I guess. Uh, I want to work with people that I like. Anwar is a genuinely like good brother, and mm-hmm. like you said, he looks out for his people. He's doing something, you know. He wants. He's doing this for the community. He's doing this, you know, for his own spirit. 
And, and I think there's more coming. You know, when I, I was just in Memphis, we, we did uh, the Indie Memphis Film Festival. Okay. So he asked me if I would come there to support the film. I came out. Um, I told him, man, I said, this is the beginning for you. You know, this is just the door opening. Now you have to figure out how you're going to handle this and what's going to happen next. Um, and I told him I was very proud of him. I mean, it's a wonderful accomplishment. Yeah. It's, him it's, and his family. It's definitely not easy. And, I, you know, I never shot a film, but he tells me this is like his fourth film. So, and I'm sure doing this film uh, internationally was probably a bigger challenge than previous films where he told me he shot domestically. But tell us, uh, Khalil, about your character in this movie. I play the older brother. Okay. And um, I, own, I own a barbershop, you know, but I own the barbershop with him. He's a, he's a financier. His character is a financier. So he's, you know, kind of white collar, making money. He's an investor in the shop. I run the shop. It's my shop. Um, but I'm very, my character is, is uh, very pro-black, very much about the community and building that and wanting to get him involved. At that point in the film, He's about his money. Things don't work out with his overseers, and he ends up taking a trip to um, Africa with our other brother. And I stay home to take care, take care of the shop, and, and we talk and, and stay in touch the whole time. Um, but <clears throat> where where do we go to find ourselves? For every single person, it's a different place. Um, and this, and in this film, this this guy ended up in Ghana to to find his his spirit, you know. Um, and as far as I can't, like I've never been to Africa, so so I'm really looking forward to going. And even that, as a black man watching this film, it even reinforced that more, like that I gotta go home. You know what I mean? Like I gotta get there and experience that. No, definitely. I, I thought you, I thought you were already there, but we won't spoil it. You just got to make sure you check it out on our streaming platforms and in theaters uh, when it hits your area or when it drops. I don't have the date, so I can't say it. I don't know if you know, I Khalil. I think it's uh, coming out coming out it's coming Friday. Okay. Um, you know, Amazon Prime and all that. Yeah. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. This Friday. Um, also, what do we want to talk about now uh, is some questions that I got from uh, some fans, man. So when I told yeah. my audience you were coming on, they're like, yo, ask him this, ask him this. So uh, a couple of questions we're going to go back to um, because I think one question did come from um, your role while you were playing in Juice, Raheem. So this person said, do you feel that you play an iconic role in Juice since it was considered an iconic or classic movie? Yeah, if 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 thirty yeah. years later, uh, duh. Years later <laughs> you know somebody somebody some random person is still saying Raheem. Yeah, that's an iconic role for sure, for sure, for okay. sure. Yeah, I waited twenty eight years to talk to you, so <laughs> no, but it's 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 very very interesting to me only because when we shot the film, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know that it was going to have legs like this, that it was going to last this long, that it was going to become part of the culture. Um, maybe too popular. I didn't. 
And so my next question, that's a good segue, Khalil, because the next question comes in from one of our uh, Facebook fans, and they say, what was it like working with Tupac Shakur, and what influence, if any, did he have on you as an actor and as a person? Um, wow, I never heard that question before. What was it like to work with Tupac? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Pac, Pac was special. Um, as far as this whole acting thing, even my role in Juice, I probably wouldn't have got that role if it wasn't for Tupac. Mm. But we were in the room auditioning. He was so on fire, like, and and about his business. Like, I'm, I'm, like, you can just tell. Pop was like, "Fuck that! I'm gonna be in this movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm tearing it down, crushing everybody in here." So, that first time I was in the room, because they were bringing us in the room together, just to try and see chemistry you know, between the cats. I looked over and I thought to myself, after a couple of, you know, after we had done a couple of scenes, I thought to myself, if I'm gonna get a role in this movie, I'm gonna have to be as good or better than that kid right there, because he's killing it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I lifted up my whole, you know, level of performance, you know, and, and the rest is history. Yeah. You know, and as far as, as far as influence goes, um, Pac is, is one of those black, young black men that I've had the pleasure to know in my life that allows me to understand that we can do anything. Pac did everything that he said he was going. I mean, facts. Me and him hung out, and he was saying how, you know, this time next year I'm gonna be a millionaire. Mm. I'm gonna have my records about to drop. It's going. Man, shut the hell up. You ain't about to. <laughs> you know how he do it, and, and then you look up, and and, and like he's, he's, hey, he's a millionaire. So you, but still, but still, your man. You know what I mean? Like anytime I would see Pac, we would pick up right where we left off. Um. I don't even, I, I, I can't tell you the last time I watched the movie only because every time I see it, he's there, he's young, he's vibrant, smiling, beautiful, shit breaks my heart, man. I, I, I don't like to, you know, I just, I really don't really watch. It's a classic film, uh, Khalil, man. It's it's such a... Oh, look a, at that beautiful kid back there. Dang! <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, man, we got the film Juice playing in the background. And Khalil, you don't age. That was another question that came from the Facebook uh, uh, page. They were asking about your regimen. What do you do to keep, you mentioned, you know, keep looking young. You mentioned you got a birthday coming up. You're about to be 56 years old in this motherfucker. Yeah. So what is a yeah, regimen? Yeah, what are yeah. you doing, man? Help me out. <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> um, all right. The best I could tell you is to live a. Don't say stress. don't drink wine, cause no, nah, I, I drink no wine. Live a stress-free lifestyle. Do not sweat the small stuff. You know, work what you can work. Everything else, let it fall into place. We don't really have control. Over so there's a lot of anxiety and stress that comes out of trying to, you know, control everything. But I, man, I kick back, I keep my spirit clean, I let the universe do what it does uh, with, with very positive intention. Um, and and I don't really fuck with time. I don't. But yeah, ten years has been. Uh, uh, yeah, it is. Um, I don't. I don't. 
I don't think about years. I don't think about how long it's going to take. Um, it's going to take as long as it takes. You know, um, my my ambition has never interrupted my time, mm. ever. That's a good one. No, that's a real good one. My ambition has never interrupted my time. And so as I ask, and my final question, Khalil, uh, each and every guest on Finesse Media Podcast, we bring you on because you're someone that's finessing the game. But i like to know, man, who's for you? I know you mentioned your mom, and we can double down on it if it's the same answer. But who's the person that's finessing the game for you? Um, well, they're no longer here. The person that, that really showed me how to finesse the game was Gregory Hines. Is it Gregory Hines? Yeah, man. Wow. Gregory Hines. Um, we did a film called Renaissance Massacre. Um, that was a beautiful human being and, and, and one of the best to ever do it. Mm. You know, like the goat, one of the best to ever put tattoos on. But regardless of how talented you might be. The man was obviously talented. Tony Award, Triple Threat, like an amazing tap dancer, one a beautiful actor, but he was a beautiful human being. And he really um, tested me to look at myself. Mm. One night he asked me the question, why are you so angry? And my response was, Angry. He asked me again, why are you so angry? You know, I did. I had just done something um, that I should, probably shouldn't have done. It was aggressive. <laughs> um, but he took the time out not to reprimand me, but to really, like, make me look at it. And then after that, after you know, taking that moment to look at myself, I started really looking at him and how he walked around how he treated people, and then how people treated him. Kind of changed the game for me, man. I didn't feel like I had to, you know, get people out of my face. I started realizing once I changed changed my spirit a little bit, how I was walking around in the world, nobody was getting in my face anymore. You know? Then I had... Did you feel like you had to have this... Did you feel like you had to have this kind of tough or defense mechanism all the time growing up where you were from? Well, black male, man, a young black man in America, how else <laughs> are you going to survive? You are taught that from the time you're like three years old and you leave the house. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so that was something that I had to really learn to outgrow. And when I started paying attention, like Gregory never did it, never had to do it. All these people love him. They thought like people would just get around. To, I mean, and, and he was killing the game. Yeah. Killing it. But like a, a solid, beautiful human being. Like just just mar- a marvelous man. Um, and that's why, you know, when I I'll meet somebody like an Anwar Jameson, I can recognize it right away. You know, and, and, and I can work with this man and not ever have to think like, uh, like what's he up to? What's he doing? You know, when nobody's around, like if I'm not in the room and he's saying something funky about me, like these are thoughts that we have about people because we know that's what's going down. Mm-hmm. And then there are other people that you never think about it twice. 
but you know, that's just not their style. Right, right. No, Gregory Hines is definitely somebody who has finessed the game, uh, you know, a rest in power, uh, and definitely a legend in, in, in every right, in every right, uh, man. So like you, Khalil, man, uh, thank you so much uh, for giving us uh, this film, Juice, uh, years ago, and it continues to be in homes and on any, you know, platform now that you can find it on. Uh, it's there for the new generation to learn about you and, you know, and now keep up with you. So even through, you know, your artistry, we didn't even talk about, uh, I wanted to ask, and I do have a question that comes from uh, the Four Color Girls. That was a difficult kind of role that I've seen from you, kind of being from Darnell and from Raheem. That was a different role. And before I let you go, I do, because it does come from a question from one of our Facebookers. How was that role for you? And how did you prepare yourself for that role? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know that there was a lot of preparation. I think it was more curiosity. Mm. I think it gave me an opportunity to explore a darker side of my being that I, that I know exists and just allow it to come out and play you know, in a very honest way. What do you mean about Talking, that? What? I said, what do you mean about that? When you say some of your darkest ways, no, I, I think all of us have, have I mean, that's, that's talent, man, light and dark. All of us have, you know, good and bad in us. We, we have the ability to, to commit a hate attack. Sometimes we do it without even meaning to. It just comes out. Mm. You know? um, I, I mean, I've been in that situation. Somebody just got under my skin. Someone said, I just punched them in the face. Like, that's not something I would normally do, mm-hmm. but it exists. It's uh, that had to like live in me before. It doesn't just all of a sudden happen. Mm-hmm. Like that's in you, you know. Um, these are things that we know about, wonder about. Think how could somebody actually violate another human being that way? But you've thought about it. You worked it out in your mind a little bit, you know. Um. That was a tough day of work, I'll tell you. Mm. Um, that Rick scene with the Nick and Road. Um, I thought it was good work, man. No, I thought it was thing. very honest work. You know, I didn't, I didn't shy away from it. Um, I walked right into it. No, it was a good role, dude. It was, it was just the preparation of it. Uh, I wanted to know and how you, you know, kind of tapped into that person. Uh, no, there's a there's a TV show Claude. Who's the who's the woman? Damn, I can't remember her name right now. I love her. I think she's amazing. She plays the lead in Claude. In Claude. Huh. Yeah. Is that uh? I don't. I haven't watched Claude. I'll be honest. That's on FX. I'm trying to think yeah. of her name. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Right. Um, she just got married. And, yeah. Nisi Nash. I know what you're talking about. Nee, yeah, Nisi. Nisi Nash. Nisi Nash. Love me some Nisi Nash. At the premiere for Colored Girls, we're in New York City. It was at this. It was at the Plaza Hotel. The, the after party was flop. Um, I leave my family. We had our little viagras. Like I leave my family to just kind of walk around a little bit, go to the bar, get a drink. I roll up to the bar. Nisi Nash is there. Both ways to get our drink. She looks. 
And she looks over me, I look over her, she's like, I clear, I said, hey, this is happening. She goes, nice work, thank you. She goes, I gotta tell you, like, I, I really, I'm a fan, I really think you work. And I was like, thank you. She goes, I gotta tell you, tonight. <laughs> um, she, she said, normally I would just come over and give you a hug. You ain't getting no hug tonight, baby. She was like, nah. I was like, wow, for real? She was like, nope. Yep. Uh-uh. I was like, wow. It's like that? She was like, yeah, it's like that. Like, I'm still feeling that. So, you know, you did your thing. I was like, thanks. But, like, I'm still, I'm still. She's still jaded know, from that character. I'm still, I'm still waiting on that hug from Nisi Nash, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, shout out to Nisi Nash. She's definitely dope. And, yeah. Um, but Khalil, like I said, this film is coming out. You guys, make sure you check it out. Make sure you stay tuned. Khalil, let people know how they can keep up with you because you are doing a social media thing. So let us know I'll how tell they can... you. Everything on social media is under my name, Khalil Kane. But primarily, I'm just on Instagram. Yeah. Um, Facebook, I don't really do. Twitter, I don't really do. I'm trying to live my life, man. I can't get sucked into the rabbit hole of social media. <laughs> and... <laughs> And it's an easy way to get in trouble. Like, I really try to keep it, you know, because if I'm going to be on there, you know, I'm going to pop a little political shit. You know, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to put up a selfie every once in a while. But, like, again, if you ain't got nothing to say, shut the hell up. For sure. So, with that said, can't be up on Instagram and Twitter arguing people over. So, follow me on Instagram. That would be cool. I'll follow you back. I'll say what's up. I, I really make an effort to to return direct messages and all that. I love I love my people. So um yeah, that would probably be it. For sure. Khalil Kane, man. Yeah, Juice, man. <laughs> girlfriends, <laughs> color girls, the renaissance man. Coming love to Apple. Love, 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 love Jones. Let me run this thing, man. Let me run my love show. John. Let me run my show. <laughs> you know you got a birthday coming up, man. Birthday boy. All right, man, birthday boy. But listen, Khalil, I appreciate you, man. I definitely tell you I'm a fan. My co-host, Jazz, thank you so much also for joining me on this special episode. Co right on, man. With thank me, you. Holding it down. Um, but again, my brother, I'm about to watch Juice and uh, <laughs> get caught up all over again. And uh, again, thank you for joining the podcast, my brother. You continue to finesse the game, and you be, you be well, my brother. Enjoy yourself. All right, for sure, for sure, man. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back with something brand new next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of Finesse Media Podcast. Make sure that you hit the follow or subscribe button to be notified when new episodes are released. Also, make sure that you are following us on all of our social media pages. Instagram, we are at Finesse Media. Twitter, check us out at underscore Finesse Media. And on Facebook, Finesse Media, LLC. See you next week with something brand new.